The tagline to this podcast is medicine moves fast, and it really does. We thought we had endometriosis all figured out, and the truth is we just don't. We're still learning so much about this pain condition, and what we've now known is that it does not seem to exist in isolation. Endometriosis brings friends, and not the kind that you want. For the last several years, we have known that there's this association, this link between endometriosis and migraines. So is this a coincidence or is this a real comorbidity? Well, we've got new data that has now emerged on the scene that can help explain this varied and painful association. It's real and we have to understand the links. And it all has to do with this little compound called CGRP. Yep, CGRP is real and it's a real pain. So we're going to talk about CGRP as it relates to migraine, as it relates to endometriosis, and why it's super important for patients who have both of these conditions. It's not imaginary, and we need to know that this association exists so we can take better care of our patients so they can have better quality of life. So in this episode, we're going to tackle endometriosis and migraine, examining the link. Just trying to keep everyone up to date on evidence-based practice because medicine moves really fast. This is Clinical Pearls. My goodness, I really feel for patients with endometriosis. I know if you take care of these patients, sometimes they can be difficult to manage and, and difficult to please, but can you blame them? I mean, if you woke up every day with some kind of baseline pelvic pain that's worse during your cycle, I mean, it interferes with your daily living, it interferes with your intimacy, it, it's easy to understand why they're so frustrated. And the majority of the time, they, they just want to be listened to and offered evidence-based solutions to this. They, they don't have to suffer with this. Uh, And I always think, because look, guys, let's call it what it is, chronic pelvic pain, super challenging. Uh, And as we've learned, right, endometriosis doesn't exist in isolation. We've known that they're more likely to have this fibromyalgia. They're more likely to have interstitial cystitis. uh, and, And they're more likely to have, here it is, migraines. But now, guys, as of 2023, we're starting to understand why that's the case. We're gonna go through these theories here in a minute, um, but it really boils down to two main things. Yes, hormones are obviously one, and we're gonna address that because even that we've learned a lot about. It's not hormones like you think it is, right? So initially everybody goes, oh, I, I can't take birth control because it's gonna make my migraines worse. Um, well, headache can be an, an initial adjustment symptom as your body gets used to exogenous hormone. But oddly enough, it's actually the reverse. It's not the estrogen that's likely giving you the migraine exacerbation. It is the fluctuation in estrogen that's doing it. It's the drop from that basal level or from a peak. It's the drop in estrogen that seems to be migraine triggering. And I'm going to give you that proof here in a minute because we've known that since the 70s. That's Somerville's data, and we'll go over that in a minute. So yes, there's definitely that hormone aspect. 
but there's also this aspect that's related to calcitonin and inflammation. Calcitonin gene-related peptide, or CGRP, has come on the scene as a way to tackle migraine headaches for men and women. It just happens that, obviously, women are three times more likely to have migraine than men. Men can get it for sure, but it's much more likely to happen in women. And now we're finding out that this CGRP, like that NERDEC treats, right? You see it all the commercials, all the famous, beautiful people who take their NERDEC, uh, oral dissolving tablet, and their, their headache goes away. And I'm not trying to minimize that. I'm just saying we listen to celebrities, which is fine. We should be listening to the data. And in these cases, in these calcitonin gene related peptide blockers, CGRP blockers, uh, like NERDEC, uh, really do work. By the way, Remember, guys, if I give you a name brand, I have to say it before I get in some kind of trouble. I'm giving you a name brand so that we know what it is, but I do not have any financial clothes, uh, uh, financial ties to disclose. And if I do, I'll let you know. All right. So things like calcitonin gene related peptide blockers like Nurtec, ODT, or whatever else, we always think that that's related to migraine. So true, 100% correct. But here's the link it's also related to endo. What? So that raises a whole other possibility of things. Wait a minute. Are you talking about like migraine medicine could help with endo pain? Maybe, but upstream. And I'm going to explain that in a minute. So do you see how wild this has gotten? Now, GNRH, agonist, antagonist, uh, keeping uh, hormones level and, and Mirena and continuous birth controls, all that is, is valid. But we're now knowing that simply attacking endometriosis with hormones either making them a pseudo-pregnancy state or pseudo-menopause state, which is totally fine and legit. Maybe we're missing another avenue, which has to do with these pro-inflammatory chronic markers, including calcitonin gene-related peptide that people typically think, oh, that's in the brain. Well, it's in the brain, but it's also in endometriotic implants. What? I'm going to explain that in a minute. All to say, we got to stop thinking that endo is a gin thing. Only, yes, endo is a gin thing for sure, but it's not just in gynecology. It has widespread systemic inflammatory responses. It has links to other conditions like endo, and now we can explain why. Because this has been looked at now from a genetic basis. It's crazy the stuff that's coming out now. And I'm going to explain all this in a minute because um, even though we're going to get into migraine physiology a little bit, we're going to get into endo, we're going to talk about a CGRP for sure, uh, and, and this new data that has now come to light that the, the genetics of all these things converge in the middle, right? So if you can think of that's the spoke, you've got genetics and, and you've got a switch there that flips on, which is pro-inflammation, and then the spokes in the middle of that hub go out. And as they go out, it leads to the sensitivity of endo. It leads to the sensitivity of chronic pain conditions. It leads to endometriosis and other inflammatory states. Now, this does not obliterate Hallband's theory, Samson's theory, uh, cholemic metaplasia theory for endo. That's fine. The, these, this, that it exists, okay? I'm not saying that the, those are no longer valid. Samson's retrograde theory of menstruation and implantation, that's fine. We know that me retrograde menstruation happens and that there's innate immunity issues that prevents its degradation, so they implant to become pathogenic. So there is the pathogenesis of endo, 
That's one thing. Hallband's theory, uh, cholemic menoplasia, Samson's theory. That's one thing. And then we have this link uh, on a separate scale that takes endometriosis through these pro-inflammatory substances like CGRP and then links that to other inflammatory things. All right, so I want to be very clear. I'm not saying that those theories on pathogenesis, the origin of endometriosis, is not valid. They are. But now what we're looking at is when endometriosis now exists from whichever theory you like, and we've talked about that in the past, that it sets the stage up sets the stage up for these other inflammatory conditions uh, like these inflammatory uh, markers and neurotransmitter activity. Wild, okay? So yes, we've known this link for a while, but now what we're learning even more is that while endo doesn't directly cause migraine, I'll be very clear, I'm not saying that there's a direct link with endo and migraine, but there is a valid indirect link for a variety of reasons, both hormonal, uh, both nociceptive, uh, and then now uh, biochemical because of these inflammatory markers that we now know is true. These aren't theory. We know that there's a relationship with the same triggers of migraine uh, that live in endometriotic tissue. Crazy. Now, is that, that should just blow your mind right there, that there is a true valid biochemical relationship between endo and migraine. Wow. Uh, let's stop there, breathe that in, take that in, and then we're going to go explain all this a little bit more in more detail, because if you haven't heard of what CGRPs even are, calcitonin gene-related re- uh, peptides, we're going to explain it all in this episode, okay? Uh, but I'm sure you've seen the, the Nurtech ODT commercials, right? Those are great. I know what it's like to perform through pain. If you're like me, one of the millions suffering from pain caused by migraine, Nurtech ODT may help. Oh my goodness, please realize that they are not a sponsor. But, but I just find it so interesting, right? Oh my goodness, Lady Gaga uses this. I want it. Why, why do we do that? It's so We're so weird as, as a society, right? I mean, we should listen to the evidence, but I mean, celebrities have always done that. Whether it's for a commercial thing or some political thing, my goodness, let's have some independent thought here, guys. So thank you, Lady Gaga. I'm glad your headache goes away with this. But we shouldn't be writing for this because you're telling us to. We should be writing for this because it is evidence-based and not a sponsor. Having said that, yes, these medications like Nurtec, ODT, and and that's the only one I know by name. But So I'm not picking on that one for any special favoritism. It's just the one that I know right off the bat. But I know their class. These are called G-Pants, okay? G-E-P-A-T-N-S. G, like G-E, and then pants, like I'm wearing pants. G-pants is a whole new class of medication that's relatively new on the scene a couple of years. And they work differently than the stereotypical first-line migraine breakers, which are the triptans, okay? Oh, Ubrelvi. Ubrelvi. How about that there? Now I've said another name brand, so nobody picks on me that I've just mentioned one by name brand like Nurtec. So Ubrelvi, I'm sure you've all heard these commercials uh, because they do a lot of... of uh, TV commercial uh, advertising, but Ubrelvi is another form of, of G-Pan therapy. Triptans like sumatriptan work on a serotonin pathway to block inflammation and cause a direct vasoconstriction, all right, which is obviously a little worrisome for somebody who has high blood pressure uh, or other potential uh, ischemic things going on. But tryptans totally work. They do. You just got to watch your blood pressure response. Well, be- because all headaches, uh, migraines included, of course, 
are, are a cause of cerebral vascular dilation, right? So the, the vessels increase in size. There's only two ways to attack this, make them shrink. That's where the tryptams come in and the anti-inflammatories like high-dose NSAIDs, which totally work, um, or prevent the dilation from happening. We're like, well, isn't that making them shrink? No, no, those are two different things. One is actively shrinking them, so making them constrict. And then the other is taking away the chemicals that's making them dilate. See the difference? So the end result is you're taking away the dilation, but one physically shrinks them itself. The other is working on the chemicals, the messengers that's saying, hey, you, dilate. And so it's making them become quiet. And so you get decreased cerebrovascular dilation, right? Well, we now know that one of those substances is called calcitonin gene-related peptide, okay, CGRP. So by blocking this messenger, CGRP that's released in the neurovascular bundle, um, in the ganglions and then the nerves and the vasculature in the head, then you can uh, very quickly and effectively help reduce the migraine and or block it. Cool, right? So there's tryptins that cause serotonergic activity to help vasoconstriction. And then you have CGRP medications that are actually antagonists that help stop the message to dilate so that they more naturally uh, decrease their inflammation and their dilation. So you see, it's totally different, but that class of medication called CGRP blockers or antagonists are called G-pants, G-pants, G-E-P-A-T-N-S. I learned that as gentleman pants. I don't know why, I just go with it, G-E, and then P-A-N-T-S, G-pants. Now, hold on a minute, because if you're like, Chapa, homie, we're gynecology, why are we doing neurology stuff? Super easy, because CGRP also lives in endometriotic implants. What? Mind blown. So there is a link here. I'm going to get into it in a minute, and I'm just setting the stage. I'm just painting the picture so that when our patients come in, I'm like, oh, okay, look, you've had this chronic pelvic pain, and we're back and forth, back and forth, a couple of visits, a couple of visits. Like, hey, I think you've got endo. Well, I'm going to give you a treatment plan for that. But then you give them part of that is this education is that, hey, endo can bring friends. And these friends are linked genetically. I'm going to give you that in a minute. Uh, Genetically, which means I'm not trying to plant something in your head. I'm just trying to let you know that if you notice anything off, like, oh, I'm getting uh, some conditions that I didn't really notice before, uh, then let me know because it may be related. Now, they always say, well, what, what kind of conditions? <laughs> and, and it's very difficult for me because I don't want to give them power of suggestion, but at the same time, I want to give them education. So I do throw that out. Hey, look, sometimes endo and, and atypical headaches called migraines, um, they can be linked. So just, just be aware. And if that happens, and I mean, it's a severe headache, everybody gets headaches, but migraines are different, then let me know and we can address that. Um, and, and this is one of the, the things that we have found because there's been studies that have shown that migraines seem to become more frequent in prevalence after endometriosis diagnosis. Okay, did you all catch that? So is that, what is that? Is that, oh my gosh, now I have a diagnosis of a pain syndrome. Now I'm more likely to pay attention to body aches. So is that a self-inflicted, self-fulfilling prophecy thing? Or is that now that you have endo, um, that, that now the channels are now being primed and the firing is happening that sets the stage for these other conditions? So nobody knows which one it is, but we know that there definitely is an increased prevalence of migraines after endo diagnosis. Now, if you're thinking, well, duh, it's because you're giving them hormones. No, no, no. That's even controlling for hormone presence. 
Guys, even a controlling for hormone therapy, the prevalence of migraines is higher. And remember, how do we treat most endo-related pains? Keeping hormones constant. So if our levels are constant, migraines should be better. In patients who have menstrual type of migraine without aura, you can give them birth control to take away menstruation. If it's menstrual related, don't have menstruation. So so you see how that, that doesn't make sense. Like, well, you're going to get more headaches because of the birth control. No, the birth control may help certain kinds of vascular migraine headaches uh, because you're keeping levels constant. We now know that what triggers headaches and migraines is that drop in estrogen not the peaks. It is The peaks are important because they can't stay high for very long. But then as that peak drops, it's that precipitous drop in estrogen that's tied to the headache. So why don't we lead into this here for a minute? Because we've got lots to cover. So just remember that migraines seem to be tied to estrogen-poor states, okay? Estrogen-poor states. Let me give you that data from Somerville, and then we'll keep moving on. I've said it many times before, I I love people who think outside the box, who try to move the needle and do some stuff that you're like, wow, that's pretty ballsy, number one, and two, super smart. I mean, right, there's always a little bit of, of, of craziness and insanity to creative geniuses. So this guy, Somerville, in the 70s, first took a look at a small cohort of women who came to him for for headaches that were happening around their period. And so he thought, well, let's see, what's going on? We know about hormones. We know that estrogen kind of falls during that time. So this is probably somehow related to low estrogen. Um, so let's stop right there. Right? We always think, oh, you know, you give a higher dose because it's going to trigger migraine. Um, well, not really. I mean, headaches can happen initially as the hormone gets uh, into the body and the body has a normal response, but it honestly has to do with fluctuations in estrogen. So Somerville was completely correct. He just didn't have that data yet until he came up with the data. And I'm going to tell you what he did in here in a minute. Uh, but it's brilliant, small group of women, but he actually showed uh, biochemically by drawing estrogen levels that headache frequencies are actually tied to drops in estrogen. Now, to be very clear, there is this relative contraindication to higher dose uh, or usual dose birth control pills, combination birth control, like 30 or 35 mics, right? And those who potentially have uh, migraine exacerbations. Uh, Aura is something else. We're not talking about that. We're talking about those without aura because we try to keep estrogen levels low, but that's not really a thing. It's more important to keep levels constant. Um, Now, the the 30 or 35 mic you're trying to use sporadically or more judiciously if they have other comorbid conditions, of course. But in terms of migraine, more than the the actual peak in the estrogen, it has to do with their drops. So being constant, having a good constant supply of estrogen, taking the pill at the same time. Um, and if they've, you know, if they're older, I just use a lower dose anyway, because uh, the, the 30 or 35 microgram pill is much more important in women under the age of 30. But it's not that the fear that estrogen somehow is going to make their headaches worse. It's that the drop in estrogen may do that. It was 1972 when Somerville published in Neurology, quote, the role of estradiol withdrawal in the etiology of menstrual migraine. End quote. 
1972, how crazy is that? Look how long that's been. It was a super small study. But again, taking these women who said, hey, I, I, my, I get a big attack of a headache uh, or migraine around the time of my period. So he said, hey, no problem. Uh, I'm going to draw your estradiol levels, uh, see how they are. We're going to call your first cycle your control. And then afterwards, right around the time, right before your period is supposed to happen, I'm going to inject you with a small amount of estradiol. Wow, pretty smart, right? To try to, to, to prevent that drop in estradiol levels uh, in the first few days of menstruation. And guess what he found? Well, number one, the cycle length didn't change because it's more progestin-based, right, and progestin withdrawal. So the cycle length didn't change. But what happened is those women that received exogenous estrogen um, actually didn't have a headache. But then when that estradiol small dose was wearing off and you could measure that in the plasma, he did blood work to check estradiol levels, then their headaches rebounded. Wow. So he's like, oh my gosh, it's actually not the peak of estrogen. It's the withdrawal of estrogen and fluctuations that can trigger these neurovascular headaches. These IM injections of estradiol weren't big whopping doses. There were 10 milligrams in some patients, and they were given anywhere from about 3 to 10 days before the expected onset of menstruation, or they received two separate injections of 5 milligrams separated by a few days, all right? So in other words, one-time dose, 10 milligrams, 3 to 10 days before the onset of menstruation, or two 5-milligram estradiols that were separated by a few days. So regardless of how you got it, the fact that they got estrogen, those that received the estradiol dose, all of them had avoidance of headache until that estradiol level seemed to go down. Crazy, right? And so based on these findings, Somerville proposed the estrogen withdrawal hypothesis for migraines, and that's still around. All right, everyone, so hang on to that for a minute. And now let's go to September the 21st, 2023. Now, we've gone from 1972 to 2023. So basically 50 years down the road. Everybody good? 1972 to 2023. Even in my Texas Hispanic math, that's what, like 50 years, all right? So 50 years in the future, listen to this article, the title from BMC. Right, very well-respected journals, part of uh, Springer Nature. Uh, I like BMC. It's got good stuff in it. Uh, and, and this is in the Journal of Headache and Pain. Listen to this title. Quote, menstrual migraine is caused by estrogen withdrawal, revisiting the evidence. End quote. Uh, yeah, some of it will be like, you don't say. Isn't that correct? <laughs> so 50 years down, we get in the Journal of Headache and Pain from September 21, 2023, menstrual migraine is caused by estrogen withdrawal. Now, to be fair, this article that came out now just three months ago is a little critical of that theory. Um, so it, just to give you a quick synopsis, because we've got lots of other things to get into. This commentary says, hey, we get that. It makes sense. Uh, we understand. We believe that estrogen is kind of a, a, a modulator of pain. It seems to keep the, the trigeminal nerve uh, and, and, and that whole trigeminal vascular system in check. There is evidence to that. And the trigeminal vascular system is what is, is the trigger point. That's the entry gate to migraines. Okay. 
put that word on Scrabble and then you like win, right? Trigeminal vascular system. We'll get into that as we enter into migraines in just a minute. So estrogen is seen to keep that thing quiet. It's the referee going, you, you players behave right. And then when estrogen is gone, when the ref is gone, the players go nuts. That's the theory. Now, this commentary from three months ago, even though we've had this 50 years of data and most people agree that to some extent, estrogen drops is what leads to menstrual migraine because that's a known thing. This article says, um, you know, where's, it, where's more data than that? I mean, Somerville, 1972, don't we have more? The answer is yes, but it's typically cohort, population, observational. So there's no like direct RZT studies because how are you going to do that? And so this article is a little critical on that. Okay, so I'm trying to be, give you the devil's advocate version here that while we get that, migraines definitely have one contributor. It's not the only contributor. One contributor in females is estrogen flares and fluxes. However, we all know that there's other biological triggers, certain foods, certain odors, certain lights, uh, lack of sleep, these stress, all of those things are priming uh, and can trigger migraines. So I want to be very clear. I am not saying that all migraines in women are caused by drops in estrogen. No, I'm saying that menstrual migraine totally makes sense because Somerville showed that that's a thing. And that's why menstrual migraines are their own disease state. Although migraines in general, not just menstrual, uh, migraine in general has a variety of triggers, which anybody who has suffered with a migraine knows. Okay, So there's a lot of triggers that can do that. But as it relates to endometriosis, uh, while hormone fluxes uh, are, is the easy answer, ah, well, Hormones affect migraines and endo is affected by hormones. So there's the tie-in there. Let's call it a day. It's deeper than that. And the reason is that it's not just the hormone activation. We now know that there's a, there is a neurochemical link between endo and migraines that's measurable. You can draw the blood work. I'm going to give you that study in a minute that has shown that these, these people who have both endo and migraines have higher uh, uh, amounts of these pain proteins like CGRP. So I, I've gotten way ahead of myself, but is that interesting or what? So let that sit in there for a minute. Let's let that cool down because next I want to get into a publication that came out in March of this year. Guys, y'all get that? This is all happening. I mean, this year, this is recent stuff because we, we've just learned again so much about this. But I do have to get into this new study, again, March 2023, because it now does make sense. It now explains why these women just come in with so many daggone complaints about pain. And we're so fast to go, oh my gosh, chronic pelvic pain. What a pain in the ass. Let's call it what it is. And it's not fair to the patient. Um, they, they can be a very time demanding Patients can be very demanding, but again, if you had pain every day, wouldn't you? So when I come back, let, let's get into this new publication that's out from this year in March 2023, the title of which is The Genetic Basis of Endometriosis and Comorbidity with Other Pain and Inflammatory Conditions. Did y'all get that title? Genetic Basis. Let's cover that next. Mm -hmm. 
this is kind of a whopping huge study, all right? This was published in Nature Genetics, very well-respected journal, again, in March 2023, and it was big. What I mean by big, I mean not just in what they found, but big in terms of scale, because this study involved DNA from 60,600 women, all with endometriosis, and then compared that to a, a group, about 700,000 women without it. How about that? That's what I'm saying. It's huge, huge. Now, it's not just one, not just one, this wasn't one study. This, this was 25 teams globally, right? So if it was, if it, this was Italian, people would say, ah, that's just the Italians. If it's Spanish, you go, it's just the Spanish, uh, New Zealand's, or, you know, that's just, that's just them. Uh, no, no, no. This is global. This is across the globe. This has been the largest genetic study of endometriosis so far. Cool. And it was carried out by the University of Oxford. Oxford. Oxford, founded in the 10th century, is home to the oldest university in the English-speaking world. So, yes, if you're thinking, wait, didn't we know that endo, like, ran in families and it was highly likely to be genetic? Yes, that is true. We did. But now they actually have mapped the, the, the abnormal loci of stuff in women with endo compared to those who have not. Uh, and here's what they found, right? So there's a list of genes that seem to be uh, knocked out and or, you know, changed in those who have endometriosis. So yes, we now know, it, this is confirmed, nothing new in, in terms of the endometriosis being genetic, but here is where it gets interesting. So let me read you this excerpt from this commentary uh, from this, uh, pertaining to this publication. Quote, these authors noted in particular that many of the implicated genes play a role in pain perception and maintenance. Indeed, they found that there was a shared genetic basis for endometriosis and a range of other chronic pain types like migraine, back pain, and multi-site pain. So let me stop there for a minute. There it is. So is there a link between endo and migraine, absolutely. And there's a link between endo, migraine, back pain, and other fibromyalgic conditions because these women are not crazy, guys, all right? And I know I'm like, oh, nobody said they were crazy. No, but we've all thought it. I mean, let's look, I, I'm not innocent in this. Uh, when I see it in my schedule or somebody, my nurse gives me my uh, a chart, uh, a little uh, face sheet and says, hey, well, before you go in there, I look her up. I looked her up in their EMR and she's been here a lot. Is, you know, She's got chronic pelvic pain and she also has depression. Well, wouldn't you? Oh, she also has anxiety. Yeah, I bet. So all of these things go together. Now, I want to be very clear. There is a big overlap here with somatization and internalization of anxiety that goes into chronic pain, but I'm talking specifically about endometriosis, all right? So whether it's history-based diagnosis or true laparoscopy-based, those women that have that genetic tendency for endo because it does run in families, what I'm trying to get us all to realize is that, man, it's not their fault. Yes, it can be hard to treat. Yes, it can be super demanding. Yes, they've got a lot of stuff going on. Yes, they have these comorbidities, including depression and anxiety because they don't feel good. But but now it's not in their head. There really is this genetic tie. And did you catch that first thing? Migraine. 
Why? Well, that's the next thing we're going to lead into because this genetic predisposition of migraine to other inflammatory conditions has to do with the shared biochemical pathways being CGRP as one of the main players. All right, that calcitonin uh, gene-related peptide, that, that's a nociceptive agent. That's the offender. That's the bad guy in the neighborhood who's looking for houses to break into, right? So this CGRP is looking for trouble. And it lives in endometriotic implants, and it also lives in the tridremenal vascular system that triggers migraine. Wow. So remember the title, what we're talking about here. Is there a link between endometriosis and migraine? Yes. And what I'm trying to, to get us to see here is that this goes back. It's not in their head, uh, no pun intended. I mean, it is in their head because it's a migraine, but it's not imaginatory and it's not histrionic and it's not uh, exacerbating. Uh, exas- uh, what am I trying to say? Exaggerating. Good God Almighty. <laughs> exaggerating their conditions. Uh, th- these are real. So let me go on to read the rest of their commentary. Quote, this could be related to so-called sensitization of the central nervous system, which makes individuals suffering from chronic pain more prone to other types of pain. That's that nociceptive gate channel response, okay? They go on to say, these findings opened up the possibility, here it is, guys, how it relates to gynecology, of designing new pain-focused non-hormonal treatments for endometriosis, end quote. Wow. So is it possible that at one time we're going to get rid of hormonal treatments for endo? No, that's foundational. We know that that's appropriate because it can reduce the size of endometriotic implants. However, can we add on top of that maybe a pelvic type of Nurtec? What? Crazy. That's being looked at right now because they've had the same kind of signals. So I'll be very clear. I am not advocating for you to give out migraine medicine for chronic pelvic pain. I am advising you to give migraine medicine when your patient has a menstrual migraine uh, or migraine associated with endo. That's okay. But this is now opening up the channel to go maybe just looking at hormones and suppressing it as a pseudomenopause or causing a pseudopregnancy state is good, but maybe it's not enough. Do you all see how crazy this is and how super important this is? Because there is a tie-in between CGRP and endo and migraines. All right, so now let's leave that for a minute and let's focus now a little bit more on CGRP. Podcast family, I I hope you find this interesting. I do. Uh, I mean, I just, uh, I I find what we do as women's healthcare providers so fascinating. I mean, as I've said before, by the way, prepare yourself, side commentary coming out here Um, for 23 years. And I love it. I'm so fascinated by stuff. Doesn't mean I don't get frustrated. I do, especially for the, you know, 3.30 a.m. when I'm on call, Tylenol call. I'm like, oh my God, really? Can you not just give me a voice order? Pretend I, I gave it to you and call me at six in the morning. But I love it. Do y'all get that or just happened to me? Hey, Dr. Chapa, are you sleeping? No, it's like 2.30 in the morning. No, I'm totally awake waiting for you to call. What's up? Uh, can I have an order for Tylenol? Great. Now it's a little bit, and I try not to push that to the residents. I really don't uh, like call them first, but I'm sorry, I'm getting older. So now my stock answer is, oh my God, please call the residents. Nonetheless, that kind of stuff aside, <laughs> I do love what I do. I really do. I mean, I, I, I know burnout is real for some and I hate that, that that's a reality. I love what I do, guys. And one of the reasons I do this is really to try to impart to you that this passion and 
look, I, and I also have two daughters, and I'm like, I, I whenever they go to their doctor, I, I'd hope that their physician, nurse practitioner, midwife, whoever they're seeing, PA, um, it has a vested interest into their well-being. I really do, um, because there's so much whack stuff out there. That's what we're trying to do is just do the best that we can, give out info so that we can do the best to our patient. And when we see patients with chronic pelvic pain, that is caused by endo. Not all chronic pelvic pain is endo. Be very clear with that. But when there is a suspicion for endo, to look for these other things and and so that we can identify other problems that they may not even bring up to attention because they're like, hey, I just suffer with it. It's my norm. It's not. Uh, There's things that that are tied to this condition on a genetic basis and and make them uh, overall impact their quality of life so that guess what happens to their depressive score? They feel better. I mean, if you're walking around with pain in your in your pelvis and the headache all the time. I mean, my goodness. Does that make sense? So this is why we're doing this, uh, just to do the best that we can for our patient. All right. Commentary aside, uh, let me show you how CGRP, which is the the chemical involved uh, for migraines that things like Nurtec, uh, the G-Pants are trying to target, how that's related to endometriosis, all right? Because this is not just a brain thing. This involves endometriosis. And when I said that we've learned a lot about endo in the last couple of years, it's true because this was two years ago. It was in June of 2021 in the Journal of Annals of Clinical Translational Neurology, all right? This was an observational study that looked at plasma levels of CGRP in patients who have migraine and endometriosis and then tracked the levels of this of this chemical, of this protein during their menstrual cycle. All right, does that make sense? So we know that CGRP, specifically in the trigeminal vascular bundle, uh, the, the nerves that trigger migraine, uh, that when those levels rise, boom, you get a headache, right? And that's why you have CGRP blockers. So these authors said, hey, we know what this thing does. We know that G-Pants is a whole new class of medications different than tryptans. Uh, and we know that there's an association with endo with migraines. So do these patients have some kind of altered level of this hormone in their body? Okay, that's a good question. So l- let's get into that. Now, I'm going to get into this 2021 publication that measured this calcitonin gene-related peptide in the plasma of women that had both migraine and endo, okay? But listen how small world this is and how if you do enough, you do a lot of data searching, you do a lot of data mining, you look at research, and the names pop up a lot, all right? So you remember we talked about a previous commentary from this year in the Journal of Headache and Pain. Remember that the title of that commentary was Menstrual Migraine is Caused by Estrogen Withdrawal, Revisiting the Evidence. We talked about that a little earlier. Remember that? Well, that first author is Raffaelli. Okay. Well, the author of this study from 2021 that measured this hormone in patients with migraines and endo, the first listed author is Raffaelli. Same guy. See, so this guy's been at it for a long time. Guy, I say guy, I don't know, man or woman, I really don't know because I don't know this person personally. But my point is, thank goodness for these good researchers that hang on to something and really try to make a difference. So remember, you've got uh, in 2021, this author and his team saying, hey, there's something here with CGRP. And then in 2023, this commentary where he says, um, hey, everyone's looking at dropping estrogen as, as a potential thing for migraine. 
But we've got to think beyond that. You see how it's all tied together? Do you get the picture that this person is painting, which is, yes, hormone flares are a thing for sure. But it could be that the hormone flares are because when you drop the estrogen, you release CGRP. Wow. Okay, so it's all related. But now I want to focus on this study that looked at plasma levels of this hormone in women who had both migraine and endo compared to those who did not. This publication is out of Berlin, Germany, and it looked at plasma levels of this of this biochemical thing, this messenger, CGRP, across 110 women, all right? And they did it across two phases of the menstrual cycle, at menstruation and during the periovulatory interval, okay? Remember, this is Annals of Clinical and Translational Neurology. Follow this, guys. Trust me, don't get lost here because it makes a lot of sense. So the study groups were patients with only migraine, patients with only endo, and then patients with both migraine and endo, And then the fourth group were healthy controls, like, hey, I'm just here to play. I don't have any of these issues, uh, but I'm here. Draw my blood, all right? So those with episodic migraine, those with endo, those with both migraine and endo, and then healthy controls. And then they drew their blood to see if there was any variance in these things. Well, super interesting. And remember, here's the catch, that as these levels of CGRP rise, that's when a headache should happen. Remember, that's the offender. That's the bad guy. Well, let me read you the, the, the findings straight from their paper so we can keep on going. Quote, this study found that plasma CGRP levels change throughout the menstrual cycle. Okay. They go on to say that it increases during menstruation in patients with both migraine and endometriosis while it decreases in healthy controls. End quote. So there it is. So in patients who have both endo and migraine, Remember that when this thing rises, that's when the, the pain syndromes flare. So in patients who had both migraine and endo during menstruation, these, this level of this compound rose. So that makes sense. All right, so it rose when? During menstruation, because remember, there's that tie-in to decrease in estrogen. Y'all getting how it's all in the same, we're all talking about the same thing with with a different language, all right? So during menstruation, uh, CGRP rose in those with both endo and migraine. But listen to this, quote, the increase of CGRP levels in the comorbid group was thought to be linked to specific genetic alterations between these two conditions. In other words, they're like, well, this is weird. If you have both, there's some kind of genetic linking that makes this likely because it did not rise in the same way in those who just had uh, episodic migraine or in those who just had endo. It was the combination of the two where CGRP levels were found to be higher. Does that make sense? So in other words, you have migraines. Okay, a lot of different reasons for that. If you just have migraines by itself, CGRP may not be a biggest factor there, um, even though you can still use uh, um, things like Nurtex, it's going to work, but but the fluctuations may not be as high. Hey, if you just have endo, okay, CGRP is an issue there. It does cause you pain, um, but it's not a, a biggest player uh, like if it would be if you had migraine on top of that. So while CGRP is is an independent factor 
for pain conditions overall, having both endo and migraines. Now we have blood proof that there's a bigger spike in that when these two conditions live together compared to the two conditions when they live in isolation. Does that make sense? So that's wild. And, and it's tied together because they've actually proven, other publications have shown, that CGRP also lives in endometriotic lesions. We know that. You can actually take an endometriosis implant, take it out, and send it for CGRA immunohistological staining, uh, and it will stain positive. So as we get ready to wrap this up, there is definitely a genetic tie between endometriosis and other inflammatory conditions. And yes, migraine is considered a, an inflammatory condition. So here's yet another clinical pearl. When I trained, migraines were vascular headaches, right? So that's all they were. There's just vascular. There's somehow autoregulatory issues. So it causes cerebrovascular dilation. It's vascular. Well, now we know, no, 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 wait a minute, this is neurological. So then it left vascular and it went to neurology's home. It's like, okay, we'll own, we'll own this, right? It's a neuro neurological issue because it's neurovascular. Well, now we know, now it's in a different group, which is uh, overall inflammatory response because we know that, that a migraine is actually uh, neuroinflammatory and vascular. Is that wild or what? So all of those things have a role. That's why hormones have a role. That's why things that block these proteins, like Nurtec for, the, for migraines, may work. And potentially down the road, if we can get a, ahead of it, ahead of the release of CGRP, then potentially we can help uh, with new uh, pain medication for migraine. And that's been looked at as well. Everyone, before we wrap this up, here's what I mean by if we can get ahead of CGRP, because what we know releases CGRP is another uh, group of initials called TRPV1. Oh my goodness. Yes, that, that's something else. That stands for transient receptor potential valinoid type 1. Oh my God. I'm not going to get into all that. All to say, we now know that before CGRP, right? Now, so now we have things like Nurtec that hit CGRP, but now we know what is behind CGRP's release, which is transit receptor potential valinoid type 1 or TRPV1. That's TRIP V1, uh, TRIP V1 that actually releases CGRP. And so they're looking at ways now in current study now, one of these is being done out of Shanghai. That's finding that if we can actually get one domino ahead of CGRP and, and, and block what releases that, then we could potentially have a treatment for endometriosis-related pain. How wild is that? This is being looked at. And again, I'm telling you, within the last uh, you know, several years, one of these publications that has looked at, at TRIP-V1 was published in 2017. And I'll put this, of course, in our reference list. This was out of Molecular Medicine Reports. Uh, it wasn't in humans. It was in little rat models. But they did find that, wow, if you actually block this transient receptor potential valinoid type 1 in the dorsal root ganglia of little rats, they're like, the little rats are like, hey, I'm good. I feel pretty good. Like My pain's gone. Now, how would you measure pain in a rat? Yes, you can. <laughs> they did. And by blocking it, that expression, what that causes less CGRP, which caused less pelvic inflammation, which caused these little mice to have less headaches, uh, even though that wasn't a 
primary find. You, this, that's by extrapolation. Um, yes, believe it or not, we have, look how much we know now about endo. See, hormones. Yeah, how you treat endo? Ah, you can take away implants. It's usually hormonal therapy. Great. We now know that, that this is tied to potential neuroinflammatory substances, including nociceptive uh, stimulants like CGRP in the pelvis, uh, which is linked to migraine. Uh, in the brain. Uh, and now we now know that one step beyond that, behind that, is elevated expression of TRPV1, TRPV1, that is transient receptor potential valinoid type 1 uh, chemicals uh, that live in the dorsal root uh, of, of those affected. Crazy. All to say, I told you, look how much we're learning about endometriosis and its tie to other inflammatory conditions. So we're at the end. So what was the purpose of this episode? Because we're like, man, we're talking about migraines. Yeah, because as gynecologists, our patients are going to have migraines because they happen in a three to one female to male ratio. We're going to have endometriosis. Yeah, because it's one of the things that we take care of. And these women are not imagining this. They're not histrionic. They, they are unfortunately have some genetic tie here to pro-inflammatory conditions. Now we know why. It's not mind-blowing that these patients come in with more than one somatic complaint. We've known that. But now we know why. And now we can explain to the patient, and that also takes away their stress, that, man, maybe something's wrong with me. No, no, no. This is something that you cannot control for the most part outside of some biological triggers. Um, This is something that the cards that you were given, but now we're going to do what we can to try to get on top of this, right? So ask patients with chronic pelvic pain if you suspect endo about other inflammatory conditions. Ask about migraine because if we can make them feel overall better, we can greatly increase their quality of life, decrease their anxiety, decrease their depression, and then overall just increase the life that they're living, all right? All right, podcast family, let's bring this to a wrap. All right, podcast family, that brings us to a wrap. As always, we're thankful for you. We're glad you're part of our podcast community, and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls. 